episode 524 of the Pop Culture Roundtable, the podcast that's rocking some serious willpower. In this episode, we talk about Polaroid, Starfield, and the top three games for game night. I'm Andrew Sale. I'm Will Churn. I'm Patrick Hill. So as they say, where there's a will, there's a way. off every episode by going around the table which is where we talk about things that are new fun and noteworthy about our weeks most noteworthy at the moment though is that we are looking at a very handsome man uh who is not lauren and that man is none other than mr will truen everybody welcome will truen to the show thanks guys appreciate you inviting me back on um for a second, I was afraid I was going to hit the wrong button, and so I, I hesitated. So that's why it was kind of like a slow, <laughs> slow build. Will, it's so good to have you back. I feel like I haven't seen you since I saw you in person. Is it possible? Because last we were talking, or I think last you were on the podcast, we were there was a lot of uh, drama in the D&D space. Are we going to get a D&D update from you today? Oh, I can talk. Ab- yes, I've got drama I can talk about. Okay. I forgot. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> well, spill that tea. Uh, so <laughs> recently, uh, so D and D has been going through a lot of issues around changing terms, re-releasing rules. They're re-releasing fifth edition again this year. So they're going to call it the 2024 rule set or 2020. Yeah. 2024 is going to, and should be released at the end of the year. Uh, and it's going to do all the stuff that we've reported on, uh, previously, like the new rules and the new classes and everything they're doing. And I'm actually really excited for that. But we got a huge hit with the Giants book that they released because quickly folks realized like half the book was AI art and like creatures had different numbers of fingers, axes Whoa. were melding into people's boots and uh, Whoa. Wizards immediately was like, we did not approve AI art. And then you go to the guy who they hired it in his Twitter bio, it was like AI artist. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! Um, so that was like a big thing a lot of people were like don't buy this book I don't know if that had actual backlash on them but they're I guess what happened was they would take um, sketches and then put that through I believe it was mid journey could have been a different generator um, and they would use that to like finish the drawing so you could see some of the original That's sketches the reverse of what you're supposed to do <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was bad. Uh, but what we also saw was they showed some like rough concept sketches of these dinosaurs, like these giant dinosaurs for the book. And uh, we saw the exact same dinosaurs, but like reskinned. So we know that someone even took concept art and then tried to make final art out of it and put it in the book, which we're all assuming they're not paying for, right? Like they paid for the concept art and aren't paying for mm-hmm. the published art. Um, so it's just wizards getting caught once again with their pants down. It's just like they've had like, like loss after loss after loss. Uh, Wizards of Coast is also having issues with Magic the Gathering and price gouging, uh, especially after they released the Lord of the Rings set that had a one-of-one one ring that, I think, Post um, Malone Post Malone bought for like $2 million or something. Yeah, it's like $2.3 yeah. million or something like that, yeah. Yeah, so, I don't know. Hasbro uh, saw huge losses again this last quarter, and, and a big part of it was, I think, D&D issues, so... Wait, Hasbro... Hasbro owns D&D now? Do you not yeah. listen to any of the content that we make? <laughs> I've never heard a single thing that Will's done. 
As soon as this episode is done, I literally just forget that it happened. Yes, Has, Hasbro owns Watsi, and Watsi is like I think fairly famously their only profitable license right now. It's one thing like to to be upfront about it, but then to 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 try to sneak it sneak it in feels. Like if you're gonna use it, then just be unapologetic about using it, and like have a have a stance one way or the other, and just be open about it. The idea that you're just trying to maybe kind of skirt by or or get by by paying for less art and trying to have you know AI finish it out for you I don't, that feels real. Or at the very least, you'd think they'd have like a PR ready. Yeah, <laughs> like, like hey, you guys may have noticed we. <laughs> We've done four Ooh. or five things this year that all were terrible. They caught people caught within hours. It's like yeah. maybe we should like play it for some of this now. <laughs> so it, it would be very easy. I, I think the part that's just shocking to me is the lack of polish. It doesn't bother me the idea of someone using D and D to to generate or D and D. Oh my gosh, AI to generate yeah. or develop concepts. Sure. So yeah. what? But finish it. Like put yeah. out a, a production ready piece, and then. If you do that, then own it. I mean, do say some BS about, you know, just like we were on the forefront of gaming, we're on the forefront of artistic expression. Like, own the piece of it, but don't put out something that's unfinished and then try to walk it back to act like you don't know. You just look like an idiot front to back. Wait a minute. Is it possible that all of their new characters, they're just writing in (laughs) new finger numbers? (laughs) Like this character, has I haven't seen the stat fingers. <laughs> it, it's like, it's like one of those every things. character has dark vision. Now every character has seven fingers. I just sent an ad I got from on Instagram to someone because it was, I think, truly, and there was a hand holding a can with oranges all around. But like the more you look at the hand, you're more like, I don't think this is a photo. Like the fingernails are all kind of bent a little bit off the finger. You're less like. Uh, the more you look at it, like if you just like swiped by, you'd be like, oh, truly ad. Uh, and I think the D&D book is kind of the same. Like if you had just looked at it and then like scrolled Twitter, it would have been fine. But someone sat there, like opened it and was like, where's that axe going? And it's like, what is that texture on that boot? And you're just like digging deeper. Like the more you find it, the more issues you find. You're just like digging through like little things. Is there a name for this yet? Like when we see someone's hand, because I know the fingers are like people look for. Can we just coin it like Sudsy Palmer's disease or something? <laughs> like when you see clearly AI fingers, let's just uh, let's just have a go-to name for it. This actually opened up a whole new issue that I never expected from AI art, and it was accusing people who were not doing AI art that their art was AI. As a, as a, we don't like your art, it must be AI. And it was just like, oh, what are we doing now? Yeah, Kreider right. just pointed out he's terrible at drawing hands. So everyone's <laughs> going to think that his art is AI that's generated. The, yeah, that's the, uh, it's so funny. <laughs> now you're just shaming people for, for, for not maybe having the skill set by just saying, oh, that must be AI. <laughs> well, because the, of the flaws. Reddit for the day was just like new image from the book. Like, what do we think? And it's like, stop. <laughs> Like a few of them are really obvious. Like we could just move on at this point, but nerds don't do that. No nerds. In fact, do not do that. Um, so you moved just real quick to round out your update. Cause people haven't heard from you. Oh yeah. Um, you moved to Saskatchewan. I'm in Norfolk, Virginia. Uh, I moved from Same. Nebraska. I took a new teaching gig. So I'm at uh, old dominion university, which I guess has some presence in sports. I don't know. Uh, but I know it's harder to drive around on Fridays and Saturdays. 
I just, I just stay out of uh, the downtown area, but um, no, it's been great. I went from a small liberal arts school of around a thousand students to an R1 research institution with around 25,000 students. So it's different expectations, higher standards for myself and my students. So it's all been like super exciting, but busy. What are you, what are you teaching? Same thing? Or yeah, just graphic design. Uh, This year is intro to graphic design and web design, which is cool. They don't really have a web category or area right now because the professors before didn't teach or know web. So it's been really cool to introduce students into how to, how to create personas and user flows and, really focus on the user as much as the aesthetics. And you can see like a lot of their eyes like opening, like I didn't even know this was a part of graphic design, which is always super fun. I also got to introduce a student to hummus today, which is by far my greatest achievement. Wait, wait, like the food hummus or just some sort of design (laughs) theory that I'm not, I'm just not learning. I would have thought Virginia was crawling with hummus. I I agree. And granola, hummus (laughs) and granola. Everywhere. I brought in hummus for lunch. And I was eating. She's like, what is hummus? I was like, you want to try this? And she's like, yeah. And she's like, this is amazing. I was like, you're like, Hey, do you like chickpeas? She's like, yeah, I love chickpeas. You're going to love this. <laughs> I have a surprise for you. <laughs> Your mind is about to be blown. Yeah. Did you do it with pita or like a, like a bell a pepper? What we got carrot dip. What are we doing over there? Yeah, I got pita. I was nice. telling her when I was an undergrad, our thing was to get that like really American hummus that comes in like that circle container with wheat thins just to like really ruin the culture. <laughs> it's interesting how much I personally, and I think I like to think we all do assume about a person based on something like this. Like just saying this person is unaware of hummus. Yeah. I know everything I need to about this person. Yeah, <laughs> It was so innocent and like, just like, I that wish I could experience hummus for the first time again, right? Like, there's those movies you're like, man, I really wish I could watch that movie for the first time again and get that, like, initial joy. This is and- how you feel about hummus? <laughs> I love hummus. <laughs> wow, okay. Who wow. knew you guys love affair with hummus? Fair, <laughs> it's, it's one of the side effects of his triple case of Lyme's disease that he has, so. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, I can't eat anything else. It's just hummus. <laughs> just stacks hummus, on so. stacks of Lyme disease. <laughs> that's right, I forgot. <laughs> This is the, if this isn't the type of pop culture content you logged in for, <laughs> I don't know, then we're I don't not know surprised. You, I don't know what you were expecting. <laughs> Get your frontline hummus news right here at the, <laughs> on the M of One Network. <laughs> um, okay, so anything else exciting besides moving across the country and uh, and throwing tons of shade towards the D and D peeps? No, I think the one other thing I can talk about recently is I went and saw a movie this weekend, which was The Nun Two. Oh, yeah. Which I loved. Uh, I liked none. The first one, I, it does everything I want it to. And this one did more with a bunch of cool added visuals. Uh, I, I would love to see this. I have no one in my life who will see it with me. Me neither. So, so I went alone. You went by yourself? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, next time, we'll, next time we'll, we, will, uh, we will coordinate and we'll go see these movies together. All right. Sounds okay, like a plan. I did see there's a scene in that film where... Um, I guess that she's like staring at a magazine rack mm-hmm. and all the magazines are opening and they'll stop and like make an image. And uh, there's a, a little breakdown on uh, that the director goes to in, in how they actually achieved that. And he said in hindsight, he would not have made that artistic decision because it was an incredible pain to actually make happen. Yeah. And like that that scene, most of it is in the trailer. So people who've fallen onto it all, seen it. 
Uh, but it's much longer in the movie. And there are definitely moments where it kind of falls apart, where like pages are flipping, but not really doing anything. Yeah. Uh, but it's still really cool. And I appreciate the effort 100%. Would you say that you came out of this film none too happy? <laughs> no, I came all the way happy. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a different film we'll talk about that one offline uh okay will who are you tossing it to buddy uh let's hear from you andrew okay i have i have very quick update for everybody um shocker it's gonna be lorcana based uh <laughs> since our call last week since our since our episode last week i did manage to to get a hold of uh, a few more cards we we went out and and hit the pavement again and then uh our friend sean Kreider bought some stuff and he split it between me and Jedi. So very appreciative of him. And in uh, part of that opening, I did stumble across this, uh, this little beauty. So I'm going to show this uh, to everyone. This would be an Elsa enchanted card. So it's a full art foil alternate art um, card. And this uh, is one of the most sought after cards in the, in the deck at the moment. Minimum, if I went online and tried to sell it on eBay, minimum, I'm, I'm, I'm going to walk away with 400 bucks. On then it's cards. time to let it go. So, oh, wow, man. <laughs> the second you saw it, you were ready to go. <laughs> you were ready and had it in the chamber. Um, but uh, so, yeah, this this was cool. It was it was a fun pull as the, as a table. We all freaked out when we opened it. It was it was me and Patrick and JP and Becca and Mackenzie. And we all. We all yeah. went. Uh, we all Becca went crazy threw up on half of the other cards, but yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I Got do excited. now have a, a bunch of cards that I can that I can build out decks for people. And in our Slack channel, uh, I've had a couple of people say uh, raise their hand and say that they want me to build them. Essentially, just a, a, a general playable deck for some of the people who haven't had a chance to get um, to get any cards yet. And so, uh, hop in this the Slack channel. It's a, I think it's in the Disney channel. Um, I posed the question, and there's a couple of people who I'm, I'm going to be putting together a couple of playable decks for. Um, so if that's you, I'm not making any money off this. Just literally, like it's going to be the cost of a starter deck, essentially, um, to get your hands on cards if you haven't had a chance to. Um, so I'm I'm really excited about that. We've been playing a lot more Lorcana. It's great. We got some really cool news from Lorcana today, um, but we'll share that for a different time. Uh, I will show this though. This is what I've been playing with. Uh, these are things that I got from Etsy. So this isn't like an official Lorcana product, though it is pretty cool. It's uh, when when you take hits in the game, you take you take hits and um, you show damage. And so I'm trying to see if I can show these off. Yeah, there we go. So these are little damage markers, and they're they're um, uh, in the color of. If you're not watching this, I'll describe it to you. They're they're these acrylic, um, or I'm sorry, these resin. Uh, drops that have the Lorcana logo on it with a, a one on it. And each one of these is in the color of the different colors of the, the decks from the, the game. And these count as just like damage markers. They're really cool. The ones that the game comes with are just these kind of little paper, um, very, very thin cardboard, like little tile things. Um, for just a couple of bucks, I was able to buy uh, a set of these. They came from Etsy in this like little like black satin... Um, or felt, not felt. What is the word? I'm not satin or felt. Sure. Velvet. There we go. Okay. Uh, velvet pouch. Uh, so it's it's pretty pretty cool. Um, I think that's all I'm going to say for now. Uh, there's there's been uh, a lot of uh, work going into uh, 
designing stuff for the wedding. And that's been fun. It's been fun to be able to be like unleashed to do whatever I want with that. Because for the last several years, anytime I've been doing design work, it's been for someone else. And so to be able to do something and I am the, I mean, besides Becca, but I'm like the sole stakeholder. <laughs> like I can design it however I want, execute it however I want and send it to print um, however I want, like all that stuff. Like that's been, that's been fun um, to be able to do that. And um, yeah, I think that's all I'm going to say about that. And I'll hand it over to you, Patrick. I'm surprised you didn't mention the new Lorcana uh, that was just announced. Rise of the Floodborne is, which is, is the second chapter of the game. Yeah. Yes. It, it, and it's uh, my understanding is it's a lot of new card art for cards that exist, but it is some new cards as well. But the one that everybody is fawning over is Sorcerer <laughs> Pooh. So I just wanted to show this to everybody. If you haven't yeah. seen this he's yet. The, this he's is, the honey wizard is what I think the, his card says. That's what it is. The honey, honey wizard. wizard. That's adorable. This is the card that everybody is is going crazy for right now. There's going to be a play mat of this. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, anyway. I, I looked it up, Patrick. There is two. There are 200 new cards. And there is, there is uh, I've seen some additional leaked footage of cards that you don't see in their official announcement. Yeah. I still don't believe you. I think that uh, <laughs> new versus new art. But, it's but I was we'll reading. Get- I was reading the names of the cards. Is my point? Like they're not the same. They're not the same glimmer. Yeah. So they're yeah. If they're not the same glimmer, it's not just alternate art. When you put out your video on YouTube explaining it, I'll watch it and then I will know exactly what's going on. And until that happens, it just doesn't exist for me. It's just hearsay. Okay. There are along with this. So this is coming out November seventeenth. Yep. So if you missed the 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 first wave that happened, or or you weren't standing where you needed to be. Here's your next opportunity, along with uh, booster boxes, which I'll be trying to score one to join my buddy over there. Uh, they will also have a special 100th anniversary collector's box that's going to come with six enchanted cards, along with um, four or whatever booster uh, mm-hmm. packs. Yeah. Um, and that uh, specifically looks very, very nice. And so if you want your it's chance the to Disney score 100. That, yeah, the Disney 100, and so this is something only for that, uh, and it's 50 bucks. so if you want to score that, just be standing in line at a game store. Again, it won't be in the big box stores, it'll just be like local game stores November 17th, and then it'll be box stores a bit later, but uh, if this first wave was in the indication, uh, there's, it's, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of stock to go around. Um, no. I did, I talked about that, uh, I'll say it my way, which is incorrect. Uh, Ravensburger. I did talk about that booster box uh, last week that I think I managed to score. I did manage to score it. It will be here tomorrow. And so I'm nice. very excited to pick that up. I'm not sure what condition it comes in. If it shows up like any of the boxes I've seen online, then it's going to be split open and just yep. strewn everywhere. And if that's You only the case, get half the decks. <laughs> if that's the case, I may just go ahead and open it all and just save my pristine box. But mm-hmm. I'll wait and see how it comes in. Uh, but these things are going, I think I just saw them closer to 450 now for these booster boxes. So if you remember... Especially with the release, of the, now that they've released the lineup for second season already... Like it's going to now we'll have to see what the reprint looks like because they are yeah. going to be reprinting sometime in October. They'll be releasing sometime in October a secondary a second print of the first season. But right now, if you're wanting to sell things right now is the time to sell them because they've just announced season two and there's still people trying to get their hands on season one stuff. So right now, if you're a reseller, now's the time to resell it. Yep. Who knows how it's going to affect the prices? Is this y'all's first like trading card game you guys gotten into? 
Yeah. I mean, I dabbled in Magic the Gathering a long time ago, but way after market, like way after sure. people cared about it. It was just buying a starter deck or two, like that kind of thing. Sure. Are are your local game shops hosting games yet for Locrana? Oh yeah, they've been they've been doing games since uh since the uh the local game store release. They've been doing tournaments even before the big box stores had product. Cool. Yeah. Have you gone? No, not yet. Seems like something you guys would enjoy. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to get like one other person to go with me because I don't want to just go I there totally by myself. I totally get that. Yeah. So I, I want it to be you <laughs> yeah, know, me it. and JP or me and Patrick. Um, Michael well, said he'll come too. I'm just going to go and rope in Michael. Michael will join as well. You know, it's been nice. I was talking to Andrew about this uh, earlier this week, but this is like for me the the first game I've gotten into like this. And uh, I have a friend that has been collecting um, magic. Uh, the gathering for i mean you know since he was in middle school that type of person mm-hmm. uh, and he still plays uh, actively he still participates in tournaments and he has so much knowledge about how that has evolved how collecting in magic has evolved how tournament play affects collecting in magic he has so much knowledge about these things that we haven't experienced in lorcana because lorcana obviously hasn't shown itself to be that yet sure but if it starts heading that direction, like he's already talked, you know, we've already started having conversations about this is cards you can expect that aren't valuable now that will become very valuable. Sure. These are cards that abilities. you can expect yeah. they're yeah. going to nerf. These are cards that, and so it's interesting hearing the perspective from someone who has decades of watching magic evolve. I, I will say, yeah, like based on that, just those, those few notes that you told me about that he said, I've gone on eBay and bought a couple of like singles um, and bid on a couple of singles of cards that are starting to creep up in value, but that he kind of pegged as, hey, this is a card to look out for. As they reprint, they will probably change the wording on this card, or they just won't print any more of them. That's what I'm most interested in seeing. So I played Magic through high school, college, and still have a commander deck behind me. Magic has been always about the gamer. Disney, even before the con, has been so much about the collector. Yeah. And I was, I'm so interested to see if like the gaming culture can survive hoarders. I that's what it feels like. Like it, that's a real question. Yeah. I'm in some of these Lorcana like Facebook groups, and the just the the wicked toxicity of some of the people who are in there. Like yeah. someone is stocking, and they will literally buy everything and then take the 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 display case home with them sure. to display these things at their house and not do anything with them. And there's people in those communities like, I am just dying to play. Right. I just want to play. And it's really hard. It's, it's you know, freedom within capitalism. We're in a country where you can, if you have the means, you can go buy stuff and like, that's fine. Sure. Okay. But those people aren't really there. In my opinion, they're not there to support the community. They're there to Take advantage of the community, buy all these packs out, and then charge three times as much back to the people who really want to be playing them. They're not selling those cards. Collectors aren't paying three times as much. Right. It's the people who want to play the game who are doing it. And so it's it's really, and it's forcing, I'm going to say forcing with some asterisks, it's forcing some local game company or some local game stores to hike their own prices up so that they aren't getting, you know, left out in in the in the rain. Like there's, there's local game stores down the road that are charging $18 a booster pack. That's literally three times MSRP. And 
That's crazy. Like that shouldn't be happening if you're trying to build a community of people who play these games and love playing games and bring people back to your store to invest in this thing that you love so much. And that'd be my fear is that like people are going to treat it, even the gamesters are going to treat it like a hot flare, right? That's going to burn quick. So like, we got to make as much money as we can now. Right. Because six months from now, no one will care when... Like fidget spinners. <laughs> but I think I think the game could be huge Like if people treated it just like they did Hearthstone or any of those like lower end, lower entry point kind of games. So it's, yeah, sad to see, but like I, I, I get fed because of the algorithm. I get fed like uh, crack, pack cracks all the time of mm-hmm. Yu-Gi-Oh, uh, Magic, Pokemon. I have never seen anything before Lakana. So in my head, Lakana is now sitting on people's shelves, like not being touched, not being opened, no content creators are treating it. I'm just like, what is happening? I'm pointing at Patrick's. Uh, I'm pointing at Patrick's box right behind his face. <laughs> so number one, you will now get ads for Lorcana because you just said the word four times while your phone Lorcana. is in the of you. Yeah, so you're gonna get tons of ads for it. I'm waiting. Yeah, so that's the reason because uh, Andrew and I had this discussion. That's one of the reasons that Andrew is selling decks back to the community uh, sure. is for people that are trying to get it and don't want to pay outrageous prices and just want to play the game yeah uh, that's part of the reason that's happening so if you're trying to get a Lorcana deck like a, a starter deck so you can play the game and there's no and it's local actually area. slightly better than what these starter decks are like i'm putting it together is. a little bit more of a curated deck for yeah. people then take andrew up on on his offer let him uh hook you up with one of those but yeah i i agree it's uh we, we talked about how we weren't going to be the people that, you know, if we go to the store and they're not putting limits on it, we're not going to buy out all the stock. We're going to get one thing and we're going to so walk hard, away. Though. So that way there's <laughs> stuff for people behind us. So a yeah. quick story. We did go to GameStop. Like I said, we did put put some boots on the ground this past week um, because GameStop got their um, their street date this past Friday. And we were there and uh, we were the second people in line. JP and I were the second people in line. And uh, he's there was zero limit. And the guy was like, we don't have very much stuff. We have five uh, gift sets. We have one playmat. We have a couple of deck boxes, a couple of sleeve boxes, and we have three individual packs. That's all we have. And I mean, we could have walked in and bought whatever we wanted. We could have taken everything. Instead, we both just took one gift set and we walked out. The guy after us... I watched him walk back out with the rest of the stuff. There were at least 12 to 15 people in line. Yeah. And the guy behind us walked out with the rest of the stuff. And, he and I was like, thought y'all were idiots for not buying it all. That's exactly, that's exactly what would have happened. Like he was, he was super thrilled that we didn't do what he was getting ready to do. And like, that's, you know, it's, it's hard. It's a, it's a, it's a really, really tricky balance to strike. You know what? That should be a good moment for anybody for self-awareness. If you get very excited that the person in front of you doesn't take the action you're <laughs> planning on taking, don't take that action. Maybe, yeah, just maybe rethink the action. <laughs> I don't I, I don't want to force us to stay on this topic much longer, but you guys have been Disney fans much more than me forever. Yeah. How similar, or do you see crossover to like pin collecting to what you're seeing happen in this game? Yeah, I don't get super... I have the pin collecting on a general sense. I buy pins not because of their value. I buy pins because I think they look cool. I don't go to pin trading events, so I I don't see it. I'm sure it's very similar to this. This I would equate this to the popcorn bucket fad with Disney collectible stuff. Oh, interesting. Um, When a new popcorn bucket comes out that's limited, people will stand in line for hours and hours and hours to try to get a popcorn bucket. They have to limit them. They have to do all that stuff. This feels akin to that kind of thing. 
Isn't that what? weird? I just I don't I don't have anything that I'm not, I wanted I'm not, that much. <laughs> for I'm not judging anyone. If you like what you it's your like, lifestyle. That's you, man. So like I don't think you're weird. That I would never take that action on behalf of myself because I think it's weird. I don't know how to say that a better it way. Is, it is funny to see <laughs> you some do of the people. You, but I think that's stupid. <laughs> I think it's funny to see uh, some of the people who that were who were lining up with are the same people that I see every time I go check Target or whatever when they whenever they open. Like I'm seeing some of the same people, and it ranges so so crazily. You've got these these 35, 45 year old uh, guys who clearly look like they are, um, you know, gamers. They have the gamer look to them. Um, and then you've got these like 40 year old, like soccer moms out there with like their Disney shirt on because they want to be able to play this game because it's, it's Disney IP and it's really well done. And the art, like, so it, but- you have such a wide, a wide, uh, variety of people out there trying to do this. It's not like, it's it's not like there's one target demographic. This thing spans so many different demographics. Well, actually, I would argue it is the target demographic. It is the target the target demographic. Yeah, yeah. But it's, I guess what's <laughs> sad, like for me in high school, uh, magic was like a friend thing, right? Like we made community around magic, and it sounds like kids are the only one not able to play Lorcana right <laughs> <Yeah>. now, <laughs> and it's just like a little heartbreaking. <laughs> It it, well, it is a little bit. It is a little bit. They need to. Kids should be chasing whatever <laughs> the Satan's involved with. That's what kids should be. Find the next satanic panic. That that's where you don't have to worry about your parents buying it out from under you. It is uh, funny that nobody is cons- nobody out there that I've seen. There's no like conservative movement that's saying anything bad about this game. Even though you've got wizards and you've got sorcerers and you've got game. witches and things in in this game, no one's saying anything. <laughs> about that like disney's uh just striking gold right now because all these these people that were kids in like the the peak of disney animated filmdom are now have a lot of money and have a lot of disposable income yeah They're like the age bracket where like that's their nostalgia that's the thing that hits them hard and they've got money and maybe they had to sit there and watch the commercials like I did and they're and you know never got to go, but now they can mm-hmm. take their kids, you know, whatever it is. Or I, I do wonder, are their kids gonna do the same thing? Or is this nostalgia train gonna kinda run out? Like it, is it, this it, the big wave right now? No, it will. And and it's funny that you say that like that. This week I got a, a um who was it that sent it to me? I think it may have been Kreider. I think it was Sean Kreider. Um, sent me a, a thing of this um, this meme of the kid saying like that's not my dream, Dad. He's like, why not? He's like, that's your dream, Dad. <laughs> He's like, but it's a good dream. <laughs> and I remember having a very similar conversation with Cooper about Ninja Turtles. He literally said to me several years back, like I said, oh, do you want to do a Ninja Turtle? Blah blah blah. He's like. Ninja Turtles are your favorite, Dad. They're not my favorite. <laughs> and so it, we're going to get that. We're going to get that with Disney stuff. We ha- the, the term Disney adult has now been kind of adopted as being a very negative connotation. Um, and that's going, that's going to have a longstanding effect on the kids who d- don't quite get it. Yeah. Because they, you know, like, like, yeah, my parents took me to Disney, but they loved it more than I did. That's their favorite. <laughs> so they'll they'll keep printing money for well, in terms of this group. I mean, there's a, there'll be a few more decades, but like mm-hmm. I I do I do 
feel like that eventually their popcorn kids buckets are going to run. Be, yeah, it's going to run its course, and and that's not going to be the next wave. Yeah, I don't know. What, don't what know. a what a downer way to end this around the table. But if I can make uh, <laughs> if I can play a game and make some money, I mean that sounds like a win win. So it really does. Uh, real quick, big shout over to Jedi Robbie's Jedi Robbie's. I don't know why. By the way, I want to say I've been racking my brain. Like, what did I do? Why is this here? Because you guys know. have same. You guys have same name. Same name. Okay. But Patrick, as Ashamana Bidabah. One of us is close. Uh, sent over a couple of things. So this is the first thing here. Andrew, you can explain what this is. That is the magic key holder gift. Uh, so it, annual pass holders in California are called magic key holders. Um, so that's the magic key holder gift that uh, they were able to pick up this past year going into this year. And uh, it's a beautiful little print of Mickey and Minnie, the new Mickey and yeah. Minnie, walking up to like strolling through the park, heading to um, Sleeping Beauty's castle. It's a really cool little print. Print is awesome. Colors are awesome. Quality feels awesome. I absolutely love that. And it's something that when Mackenzie saw, she was like, ooh, you know, like that whole, <laughs> oh, that's what boy. she does. She, she put yeah. on her like little lace gloves and went, ooh. So very <laughs> excited. And then also some uh, Jedi sent over some Tenoshi boy. I mean, they're like the size of like uh, if you were postcard. mailing like a postcard. They're like postcard size uh, prints. Andrew, you have one in your possession. I'll hold up the I two do. I have in my possession. But he sent one out to me, Andrew, and Lauren. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these are the ones uh, for Lauren and myself. They're Tenoshi boy. So like style is awesome. Dennis Salvatier. That's oh, his there we go. I don't, I've never talked to Dennis, have I? Wait. I don't have think I? we've had him on the show, but I've talked to him several times. We you know, probably I admit, should. We've been at conventions with him. Yes. Yeah. And I don't remember if I've talked to him or not. But uh, killer work, Jedi. Uh, huge shout. Thank you. Um, yeah, that was a really think. that was a really nice little surprise for sure. These gifts make me think Jedi has quite the crush on you. Well, I mean, same name. And why shouldn't he? <laughs> he doesn't have to remember another name. Is what I'm saying. That's Jedi, automatically that's- attractive. Jedi, that's exactly so. Designer Con's exactly where I saw Tenoshi Boy last time. I just don't remember if I went and talked to him. I can, I could even tell you where his booth was sitting. I, I remember walking gets, by him. Patrick gets but. shy. He gets shy around people, and it's fine. <laughs> I do yeah. get shy. Um, but that's it. That's uh, that's 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 all. Let's head on over to our master categories. Every week we talk about the dice we rolled the week before, or in this case. We talk about whatever we want because we didn't roll dice. Uh, and Lauren's not here, so she can't hold us to the rules. In your face, Lauren. Hey, I think you're watching, so hey, good to see you. Uh, we are going to talk about three different things that we pulled out of the air because we wanted to. These are topics that we picked because we wanted to talk about them. This is something that we don't ever get to do. Usually one of us is forced to talk about something we hate, Patrick. Uh, we don't hate Patrick. I'm saying Patrick is the person <laughs> who's forced to talk about things that he hates. Um, but Will, as our guest host sitting in for Lauren, again, thank you so much for doing that. Um, what are you talking about tonight? Yeah, uh, when you guys asked me to come on, I was wrapping my head around like what I could talk about. And then I saw I had put in uh, 28 hours into Starfield in the last week. And I said, <laughs> let's do that. Let's do that. <laughs> talk about what you know. <laughs> <laughs> so to anyone who cares about video games, sci-fi, uh, general pop culture stuff, Starfield came out. Uh, It's the first new intellectual property from Bethesda in 25 years. 
Uh, and so for those not familiar with Bethesda or like the game industry, Bethesda is the company who puts out the Fallout and Elder Scroll games. And the way they had kind of traditionally done it was every few years they would release a Fallout. And then a few years later, they'd release the Elder Scrolls and kind of take turns. Uh, but this is like a new game. It's a futuristic game, but what they're calling NASA punk. Um, and what they mean by that is if you kind of look at the aesthetic of the old Alien franchise or mo- more recently that um, kind of indie film Moon, where it feels futuristic, but it feels grounded in reality, like the things that we would recognize. Um, it's very similar to how like Blade Runner would have like old tech, but kind of futuristic. So you had a, a point of familiarity, but it kind of felt new. Um they did that, and there's some people who are kind of like really angry. They wanted a game uh, more like a futuristic Blade Runner or like uh, Cyberpunk, and this game is not say, yeah. not that much at all. Uh, I'm currently have this giant like rust bucket jetpack on that's like uh, like stained in rain. So it's like they're really going for like this weathered. Uh, fighting your way through existence. Boba um, Fett getting his armor back from the sheriff. Yes. That is the look that you that they have. Yeah, and honestly, like, <laughs> even the original trilogy of Star Wars would have this kind of aesthetic, right, in the Millennium Falcon where things felt kind of plasticky and kind of like, yeah, I could see NASA eventually getting here. Um, I think another term they use for it is like cassette punk or uh, retro futurism. So if you're into like this aesthetic, you can go find things in this vein. Um, one kind of interesting thing that what I found out, I was trying to figure out like how long this had been in production because they released the first trailer in 2018, which feels like forever ago. Yeah. Uh, that was the before times before COVID. Uh, but the game had actually been in development before 2015. So we're dealing with a game that has almost 10 years of production and it really shows like there's a lot going on. The game isn't as buggy as a lot of Bethesda's earlier games, which is kind of like a really famous bit that comes with the games like Skyrim was famous for how many bugs it had in it. It was like kind of a meme, um, not game breaking, but like things didn't work all the time. Um, this game doesn't have that many. It feels pretty good. Another interesting thing about the release of this game was it was an Xbox and PC exclusive. Uh, and that's because Microsoft bought Xenomax that owns Bethesda Studios. And I was trying to figure out, like, first, how that was legal. And I still don't know. It seems like a monopoly situation. Um, but they only bought Xenomax because Sony was trying to get uh, Starfield as a PlayStation exclusive. And it was a way of stopping that. Just bought the companies. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? It's worked for other companies. <laughs> well, and it, it, it's, it's actually changed, like, more than Starfield. It's changed the, the conversation around gaming where people are worried about Sony and their existence because of how many exclusive uh, Xbox titles like they've gotten now under their belt. Uh, PlayStation really is holding on to Gears of War, and that's like kind of almost it. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see like what happens with that, especially because Sony just upped all their pricing on their online subscription. You see uh, that? Sony, has, Sony doesn't have Gears of War. PlayStation. Xbox has Gears Oh, you're right. No, of, you're no. right. I was I'm thinking say, that's, a, that's an Xbox. No, you're totally. I guess my point proven. No, what game was I thinking? Pac-Man. Oh no, uh, <laughs> they had God of War for a while, but I think that's not yes. even non-exclusive anymore. God of uh, War. Yeah, I don't think it is. Yeah, yeah. So a couple other fun facts about this game, and I'm going to get into. First off, I love the game. Uh, it's super fun. It's explorative. It's if you're into Fallout or Elder Scrolls, it's that, but with spaceships. Um, so. 
and I'm 28 hours in and I expect to put in hundreds more. Like that's, I'm into this game, but there's a few things that I, I think should be noted, things that are different from the past games. Um, but if you're, if you're looking into Starfield and kind of like on the fence, if you want to pick it up and devote your life to it. Um, first, this game has over 250,000 lines of dialogue. To put some reference of that, uh, Fallout 4 had 111,000 and Skyrim only had 60,000. So just with recorded dialogue audio, we're talking like five times what yeah. Skyrim had. Holy cow. And I'll say it feels like it at times <laughs> <laughs> where I'll like go through a conversation and I'll be enjoying it. Like, and then I'll just start reading and skipping. Cause it's just like, I, I have been in this conversation for 10 minutes and like, I just need to get through it. Um, the dialogue I a worker like that one time. <laughs> <laughs> I have a name. Um, I mean, the dialogue is top tier. Like the audio recordings are really great. The voiceovers are, uh, on another level compared to other games. It's just a lot. Um, they're also boasting that there's over a thousand planets around a hundred star systems. And, uh, I'm 28 hours in and I've visited five planets so far (laughs) and I don't see me needing to ever leave, uh, this area. Yes. Is it, is it like, um, you said the game a second ago, uh, fallout. Elder Scrolls. No, 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 no. There's one where like it was it was auto generating like every oh no, no man's sky. sky no man's sky like it, these are actual generated two thousand some odd so planets. This isn't like computer generated on the fly. Right? From what I've understood is they all the planets started as an auto gen randomizer and then they went in and customized them. Okay. But what I have to say around that is like a lot of these planets are going to have no reason to go to. So who knows what they actually touched. Sure. So that's um, that's for the people, the D and D producers listening. That's how you use AI. <laughs> <laughs> you don't go the other way. <laughs> yeah, and, and there's a mechanic where you can build your own outpost in your homestead. So those planets do have a purpose. Like if you if your goal is to like role play as a space explorer and go find your favorite planet and start your little farm and home, that's that could be really cool. Uh, but that's not like a gameplay that you're following a storyline or anything. That's like you go out and make your own fun. Uh, I could see people who like really loved Minecraft, really enjoying like that aspect of play. When I first saw the trailer, my initial thought was, how is this going to compare to Star Citizen? Oh, that's my last point. Uh, I've, I've got, I'm reading down a bullet list, okay. and the last one is Star Citizen comparison. Okay, great. I will hold on tight and allow you to go through it's your okay. bullet list. I've only got one more comparison, uh, one more note. So... This game, though I love it, feels less than Fallout 4 and Skyrim. And I've been uh, thinking about, like, why is that? Like, why do I have such positive, loving memories of Fallout 4 and Elder Scrolls? And what I've come up down to is this road trip concept. This idea in Skyrim, you would start somewhere and you would know you had to get all the way across the map. Like, you, you were guided. Like, there was something on the other side of this map you needed to get to which made you pass through other things. You weren't looking for other things, like you were just coming upon them as you were traveling. So it was very much like the the destination is the goal, but the journey is the story. In this game, there is no sense of I'm going somewhere and I'm going to experience things on the way. Uh, You'll hear a lot of people complaining that this game feels like a loading menu simulator. And it it feels like that as much as Skyrim and Fallout did, except now you're like, I'm going to go to that planet, I'm going to get my ship, and then it loads the screen, and then you're on that other planet. And you miss everything in between. 
And that kind of brings me to this Star Citizen comparison where uh, for those, uh, Patrick, you spoke about Star Citizen a while back. Uh, When I got my new computer, it was like the first thing I (laughs) loaded up was Star Citizen. Uh, Star Citizen is the most buggy, uh, terribly built. The dev is kind of sketch, but it's one of my favorite games. I have way more hours than that than like anything else. And what that does really well is you get in your ship and you take off from a planet and you can fly around the planet and you can fly to other um, planets, the whole thing, there's no load screens. It is the most immersive. If you want to go to a something, you're going to experience everything in between. And those who have given Star Citizen a chance and have a computer that can run it because it's not optimized uh, at all, um, th- it, it is a magical feeling of the most immersive experience I've ever experienced in games. Like the idea of needing to open up a hatch to get into your ship, walking through doors, sitting down, and then having to like push all the buttons to start your ship then take off and like worry about atmosphere and drag. Like it's a, on a different level than sit and ship load. You're in a new planet. Yeah. But what star citizen doesn't have is a compelling story and missions and quests that like drive you to continue playing. Right. There, there are gameplay loops star citizen has, but there's no characters to fall in love with. There's no uh, regions or cities to kind of fall in love with and spend time and explore and learn different little characters. There's, there's no, no human touch in Star Citizen right now. Starfield has that in spades. Like the characters are really great. And uh, I just helped a little child like who was spying on a thief get the thief, right? Like there's little story moments that are kind of silly, but like bring a character and personality to the game that Star Citizen doesn't have. And you're going to see, like, if you spend any time on Reddit especially, these games have just been uh, compared to each other constantly since release. And Star Citizen has done things Starfield never could, but Starfield is the game that, like, gamers want, (laughs) right? Like, if you want a a space simulator, Star Citizen is amazing. But if you want, like, a game and you want to spend hundreds of hours, like, exploring a story... Starfield has given me that in spades. So I don't know. You guys do a review kind of sometimes of this show. Have you guys landed on like a one to five, one to 10? <laughs> we, we do, we do, uh, for movies, okay. we do a one to 10 scale. Cool. Uh, I'm at like a, a, a solid seven to eight on this game, uh, where Skyrim would be a nine or 10. So, Totally playable way. It's probably the best game. One of the best games I've played this year, even considering Baldur's Gate. Um, But if you're looking for an experience like No Man's Sky or like um, Star Citizen, where you're a pilot piloting around a a galaxy, uh, Star Starfield is not for you. I remember. I love the. I love your comparison for a road trip. I remember when I started playing WoW all the way back in uh, vanilla. And uh, so this is before um, before flying. So you couldn't fly mm-hmm. anywhere you wanted to. There certainly wasn't flying in, uh, you know, Eastern Kingdoms or Kalimdor. And this is also when you couldn't get a mount before. You couldn't buy a mount, I think, before level 40. And then even when you could buy a mount, if you were a warlock, you could get one through a quest line. But if you weren't a warlock... It seemed like it cost so much money. So even <laughs> if you were level 40, you probably couldn't afford it anyway. Um, and so I would need to go do something. And I know that uh, ThoughtBot existed, but ThoughtBot, at, I don't know if I had even been introduced to it yet. I was very, very early in playing WoW. And I remember the first time I was down in Dustwallow Marsh, 
and uh, and it's very like foggy and hazy or it could just be my computer was terrible one or the other and so there wasn't much draw distance I don't know which one but like you felt like you could only see a couple steps in front of you at any given time and I was running around through there and I and I found a shack just in the mist mm-hmm. and I didn't know what it was for I didn't know who lived there I didn't know if someone was around was someone going to show up like um and and then I was trying to like figure out why it was there and and then I didn't know if I could even get back to it because if I left this area this was off of, this was <laughs> right. off a road like yeah how would I find it again and there was something really really magical to me about that exploration about I'm going to come across something and this thing I came across is part of a story I recognize that it's here for a reason and I don't know the reason yet. And am I, like, did other people find this? Am I really lucky that I stumbled upon this? And and that was really fascinating. Yeah. Now you can just put in the game and fly wherever you want to. <laughs> just fly over all of that. You can just go straight to the little dot on your mini map and you're where you need to be. And you can skip it all. Yeah. But wow, playing that game in the beginning, it was just... My mind was just firing all the time. It it felt awesome, and so I I I love that description of, yeah. I was trying to get somewhere, but I ended up spending an hour exploring a five by five shack in the middle of a marsh because where did it come from? You know, <laughs> that's my that's my that's how I am with with uh, Breath of the Wild or yes. Tears of the Kingdom. Like, Breath of the Wild. Oh, great I'm supposed game. to run. Or even Hogwarts Legacy, to to some extent, I know that I have an objective, and I'm going to, I'm going there, and I could fast travel, or I could just run through the woods and see what I find. <laughs> like yeah. I can I can hack up all these trees, and I can search for things, and like that. That's just what I do. One and it's the, why games take forever for me. One of the games like Breath of Wild or Skyrim or even WoW to a certain point, someone be like, "Oh, like where are you in the storyline?" And usually the answer is, "I haven't started it." And you're like, well, how many hours are you? And you're like, 60. You're like, what have you been doing? I was like, cooking or yeah. <laughs> I made a bunch of mu- I made a bunch of mushroom forward dishes. <laughs> yeah, but it's just, uh, and that those are my favorite games. Like Skyrim, I've put in probably 500 hours over the decades it's been out. Uh, and I, I beat the storyline once, right? Because there's just other things you can do. And every game, yeah. you feel like it's something different. WoW was like that, right? My brother would get so mad at me because he'd be like, what level are you? And I'd be like, 10. He's like, why? I was like, well, this quest wanted me to go kill Murlocs. And I found some other stuff. He's like, that doesn't level you fast enough. Like, come over here. And you're like, but there's cool stuff over here. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so that's Starfield in a little segment. So you should try it. Uh, I enjoy it. Just don't expect what you got from Skyrim. Can I, can I tell you, uh, so my friend Jason, a friend of the show, Jason, he has it. He showed me a few minutes of it the other day when I stopped by his house, and he told me about this collector set, and I looked up this collector set. And Patrick, have you seen the collector set? It's about the, the one with the watch and the patch. The watch with that the cool case box. and the patch. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my word. Yeah. It is absolutely gorgeous. They I have no it. desire to play this game, but I want that case and that watch yeah, and that too. patch. 
that they designed the idea with the case by the way is it's supposed to look like something that you would find sitting in the ship on a shelf uh, right. and so it has like the, a pelican but, case but like super beautiful but again like that nasa punk you just described it's like that type of feeling and then they did a partnership with a watchmaker and so they there's like a watch like a white i think it's white and it has like the starfield logo and it it looks rad all the colors are awesome the i believe awesome. the watch is also you're watching the game like they really tied is, in all yeah. of it which is yeah Bethesda's always been really cool with their collector's editions. When I bought the Fallout 4's collector edition, it came in a metal lunchbox from the game. And inside nice. there was like a bobblehead of like one of the main mascots mm-hmm. and an art book. Like they've always the Pip-Boy? done. Uh, Did it come with the Pip-Boy? I didn't get that one. No, I was Okay, poor. that Pip-Boy is, <laughs> that's clutch. I'm always jealous because you see people that got the, uh, whichever Halo collector's edition came with like the Master Chief helmet. Yeah. And I'll be watching someone and see it behind them and i'll just i'm so jealous because i was at the point in time i could have picked one of those up and didn't and now there's a culture now of people like me who can never afford the pip boy 3d printing them and putting mm-hmm. it so your foe can go into the the 3d print uh so we're, we're getting our vengeance back from not being able to afford it the first time yes <laughs> <laughs> we can't we can't afford it before but we can afford the 14 hours of print time it takes to get this thing off of the printer i've got so yeah. much time to spend i'm way good on time <laughs> <laughs> still broke still unemployed but you know <laughs> um andrew do you want to take over yeah, mine's going to be relatively quick. So um, from a kind of a, a retro space uh, age style game to a retro space age style camera, I'm going to talk about the new Polaroid point and shoot uh, i2 camera that just released. This camera, Patrick, is beautiful. And I say Patrick because I'm going to send, I'm going to share a picture right now. Here is the new i2 Polaroid camera. How pretty. Is it a projector? No, it's not. <laughs> yeah, it is weird because it is um, a projector. But here is here is what this camera is. It is what you would expect from a Polaroid. It's it takes like the instant, the instant film, spits out the, the instant film like you would expect. But this is the first um, Polaroid instant camera to have onboard controls. So you can control the aperture, you can control the um, the shutter speed, you can control the uh, the focal depth, um, you can control all of that stuff, and it's the first time that you've been able to do that, and then get an immediate printout of of those of those things. It has, I think, six different modes that you can select through. It has um, seven different um, seven different eps. Ep. F stops. F stops uh, to be able to get the focal the focal depth that you want to have. But here's what here's what's cool with what they're doing with the promotional stuff for this. They're really gearing it to the um, they're really gearing it to like professional photographers, and specifically they're saying this. They're they're gearing it to the imperfectionists. So they're saying like we can we can let you fine tune the best shot that you want, um, but with the understanding that it's still going to be a Polaroid photos some of it is still gonna there's still gonna be some imperfections there's still gonna be the graininess of an instant photo there's still gonna be those things that you know to be true about uh about polaroid um but you get all the fine tuning that you can do of a professional photographer you've got the the tools uh readily at your disposal this is different than like some of these fujifilm cameras i have the fujifilm instant cam uh camera and then there's some other ones that like put auto filters 
onto your photos. This doesn't do any of that stuff. You get to choose all these are raw, true Polaroid photos, but now you've got control over um, what they look like. But how pretty does that camera look? Like, just look at that. I know That's we talked about beautiful. cameras a, a couple of weeks ago, um, and I don't want to rehash anything you said there, but I, I do find it interesting that maybe because of the, the grade of technology we all carry around with us, mm-hmm. our lack of ability is always like fully on display. Sure. Because we should be able to take amazing pictures. And yes. so this idea of, hey, you just don't need to worry about it so much. Just like frame it up, hit the button. It's going to have been perfections. That's great. It's a bit of taking the pressure off. Just care less. It's yeah. okay. We can take some stress away from you. Right. And that's what that's one of the things I love. I, I love the marketing that they're doing with this because it does give you some pro-level controls. If you know what you're doing, you can take photos like this taken straight on the on the i2. You can take photos like this that you would maybe have normally had needed to use like a, uh, a, a DSLR or something like that, right? Um, a professional lens. Um, but now you've got those tools in your disposal, but it's still Polaroid. So you want to acknowledge that even with these, even with all these tools, it's still going to have that, that built-in nostalgia, but it's not, it's not faux nostalgia. And that's what we talked about the other day, right? Like the, the idea that we are doing all these things to apply filters to create um, the um, the illusion of what a, a camera like Polaroid has been doing for decades. And this is allowing us to get that reality with some actual really nice tools in it. So this camera is beautiful. I love it. I would love to own this camera. It still does shoot on film. All that stuff, you have to pay for the film and everything. Um but this camera is going to set you back $600, $600. So you could get a pretty decent DSLR body and lens to be able to shoot full digital, uh, do all that stuff. You can get that. You can get in, into the, into the game for $600. This is, this is not cheap. And I, I likely won't be owning this because that's Lorcana money, baby. Um, but we, uh, (laughs) Uh, but I just wanted to show you guys this, this beautiful piece of technology that, that I just saw this week. And, um, I'm astonished with, with how well it's packaged. It feels like the perfect blend of retro vintage and new, um, without trying too hard. Some things try too hard. This one feels like it's, it's, I mean, it's the people who, it's the people who have been doing it for decades. And, and I think it's a perfect blend of those two things. So, um, that's it. Go buy the Polaroid. Right now, you can only buy the starter set. You can buy the camera by itself, I think, as well. But all of like their bundles with everything, they're sold out currently. And they, those bundles go up to like a thousand something dollars. That's so a stupid price. It's is a there a collector's price. edition or can I buy boosters of this thing? You can get boosters <laughs> of the camera. Yep. You can get booster <laughs> camera boosters. dollars um, is such a stupid price. It's all, it's a lot of money, but Hey, it's, it's pretty. I think that's about hey, the cost. Worse. I think that's about the cost of the Starfield collector box. <laughs> to be fair. <laughs> hey, Apple announced new iPhones today. You can literally buy the lowest level iPhone 15, like the 15 SE or whatever for $600. So your choice is that camera uh, or an iPhone 15, or you can you can strap a uh, you can strap one of the the twisty the twisty lined um, dial up like push tone phones to this camera to really get that ultimate blend. You get 25 feet of of extension cord, 
Um, you can walk around and take pictures of things on your dial-up phone, and uh, you can really feel like the true hipster that you want to be. I have this thing where I <laughs> estimate stuff by the number of iPads it would cost. Yes. So in my mind, like an iPad represents four hundred dollars. So therefore, the cost of this camera would be one and a half iPads, and I just don't think mentally I can justify one and a half iPads to take Polaroid style photos. Which is what what's so funny about that 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 mathematical equation that you've created for yourself is you would never buy an iPad. <laughs> like you're not gonna, you're not gonna buy an iPad in the first yeah, case. So like, I'm certainly not gonna buy one and a half of them. It's just, it's the most asinine like uh, way of of collecting your thoughts because you're not even present. You're already presenting it at a negative because you're not gonna buy the thing that you're using yeah. as the relatable uh, the, the relatable quotient. But and it that's, does to put me, it into perspective. <laughs> it puts it into a perspective, not I, the uh, perspective. An iPad could land the shuttle on the moon. A, a potentially more appropriate connection. Do we know, or do you know offhand, what how much the like, a normal Polaroid camera is nowadays? Like, because they're still making just like the normal point and shoot. Yeah, they 20 are. Twenty bucks. No, they're actually pretty. They actually they actually jumped up in cost quite a bit a while back. Did um, they really? Let's see. So let's just look at Kodak disposable. I guess, real quick. Like that's the question for me is like. Oh, a Kodak disposable, not no, not no, a, no, no Polaroid. Okay, Polaroid, yeah. a Polaroid camera. Yeah, because I guess that's the question for me. Like six hundred does not sound like a crazy amount for a Polaroid camera. Like with all the features, that sounds actually reasonable to me. But do I? You can actually, get a Polaroid now. You can get a Polaroid now. Uh, for 150 bucks. Right. So like hundred percent of the time I'm buying that instead because <laughs> all those other features don't equal 350 to me. And really like that original point, I understand why they did it. Like that's mm-hmm. Polaroid really trying to like make yeah. something cool. And they did but $600. I could buy one and a half iPads for that. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't, but I could. <laughs> and that's the, and that's the important thing. Yeah. Um, okay. That was my, uh, that was my category. I think it's just you, Patrick. Why don't you close this out? Game night. Did y'all know there's an abbreviation for this? Like, yeah, GN. You want to come over in uh, PBG? Play board games? Yeah, apparently it's an abbreviation that's popular. And I'm going to say, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah. Did you say peanut butter and jelly? Is that what yeah. you just said? <laughs> Close. You guys want to come over for some PB&J? <laughs> Someone's trying to convince me that that's what we say. I don't think it is. Um, and I'm the one with the Twitch stream. So, uh, okay. Uh, here's, here's the idea. Some people get stressed about game nights and that's fine. Uh, they're not difficult to do. Just throw one. But what some people then get wrong. So throwing one, not difficult, but what some people get wrong is they, they do a bad job, like picking the game. All right. So I've asked everybody here to bring your recommendation. If you're going to invite, let's say four to six people over. Now it's six. You said four or five. Okay, we'll I got to go pick we'll a different four game. Or five. No, 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 we'll say four or five. <laughs> but if you're going to invite a few people over and you're going to have a game night, it's important to come with the appropriate game to get people excited, to get people in the mix, to help people not feel like they have to read rules for four hours, and, and to ultimately have an enjoyable evening so that way you can have future game nights. And so I've asked each person here, here, yeah. Here, Andrew, myself, I've asked each person here to bring a game that they see as like a great starter for a kickoff game night with a new group of people. I'm going to jump in first. I have brought 
the thing. Infection at Outpost 31. It's a hard number to see because it's... I was going to say, <laughs> there was a pause there. <laughs> but the thing is a game that was put out by uh, Mondo. I would argue the basically now defunct from the way that we knew it at the time. Um, but this is a game that uh, I, I'm sure you can still find. I'm sure you can find online. But the reason I picked this game, if you haven't seen it, without going into all the details, is because, number one, it's cooperative play. If I bring people over, I want to play a game with people. I don't necessarily want to immediately sit down and face off because maybe it turns out someone's a little bit more competitive and maybe it gets a little it gets a little mixy, it gets a little dicey. So, I like to start with a cooperative play game. So, the majority of this game is cooperative play. That said, number 2, this game has a hidden identity element which is really great because someone isn't quite who they say they are now this game kind of gently deals with it in that you still work cooperatively for the most part even though that exists and there it gives you lots of outs and lots of opportunities to not get caught. So I think if you're getting into a hidden identity game for the first time, this is a, a pretty easy one to do. Some people can have anxiety about the spotlight being on them. It can feel that way. But this game gives you so many outs and it obscures enough information that I think it's a really, really easy one to play. And you could just go along with the plan the whole time and, and you can kind of still pull out a win at the end, which is nice. Yeah. The other thing is I've done some game nights that are hidden identity, but like only hidden identity so imagine a game like a secret hitler for instance mm-hmm. there have been instances where that has created some uh some tension shall we say if people feel a little bit too like come at during the game so again i like that this still has primarily the cooperative play element the last thing uh one of the things that uh we were told um by the guys at mondo when they created this guys and girls although i think it was primarily guys, that <laughs> created this, um, is that they wanted a game that you could communicate the rules and start playing the first round within 15 minutes. And this game does that. I just ran a game night with a new group of people for the first time this past week. Uh, this is the game we sat down with, and genuinely, within about 15 minutes, we just started playing. This is a game that you can kind of learn on the fly. So if you yeah. know how to play it, you can sit down with someone, tell them what they're starting with, give them the overview... And then you can just kind of explain it as you start taking turns. And on that note, the game can go pretty quick. If you're playing four to five people, then it is possible to actually do this game, in the best case, within seven rounds. Um, Now, it could take you longer. It depends on how lucky you get, of course, with rolls and flips and those types of things. But it's possible to do this game in seven rounds. So... I don't want my first game night to be four hours long, and this is a game for that as well. So that is my recommendation, The Thing by Mondo, for your next game night. It can play up to eight people, I believe. Um, And like a lot of games with a hidden identity element, I do think it plays a little bit better with more people. But I just recently played this with four people, and it still went over great. I I think best play with that game is eight to ten people, for sure. And I... I do think it's important to clarify it's it's the thing out uh, infection at outpost thirty one because there is a thing game that is out there as well by Funko, which ironically now owns my ironically yes <laughs> so, so the thing infection at outpost thirty one that is my recommendation co op hidden identity 
quick to learn, quick to play. Andrew. Yeah. Why don't you go next? So I had an original game. I was going to talk about Space Park, so it's going to get honorable mention. But this is a one to four player game, so I'm not going to go into it more. Great game. What I will talk about is a game that uh, just about anybody can pick up right now because they sell it at all major retailers. And that is a game... Paul, yeah, Lorcana. Have you guys like heard about Lorcana? <laughs> <laughs> um, let me tell you about it. Uh, no, the game that I want to show you guys is Happy Little Dinosaurs. So, Happy Little Dinosaurs, the base game is a one to four player game. However, you can get an expansion that allows you to play with two additional players. So, six people can play this game. Why I would say that this game is fun, it's very quick to learn, there's only a handful of mechanics to it. You are playing against each other, so it's not cooperative play, but it's very fast-paced and fun, lighthearted game. Um, the the art in the game is very cute, and so even for people who aren't big game people, um, they will be like, "Oh, that's cute," or the cards are written in a very satirical, funny way, and so they can they can appreciate that even if they're not big into gotcha style play. Um, but that is kind of the the main focus of the game you're trying as a dinosaur to make it out of a um a meteor shower before you go extinct you're the first one to try to do that um you do that by playing cards that you draw it's a fully card game uh, a fully card played game and um i would say it's patrick you've played it and, and you don't you are you can be picky with your games and you even enjoy playing this game right absolutely so, sometimes with this style game I struggle if I feel like it is too luck of the draw, mm-hmm. random. I, I like there to be strategy. I, I like yeah. I like that element of it. And this game has enough strategy mixed in with enough in, uh, unpredictability that I I I it hooked me when we played it. Yeah. So. Uh, you can play up to six players if you have the expansion. They have several expansions. They're all fun. There's a puberty expansion where your 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 <laughs> dinosaurs. Yep, where your dinosaurs are. I have it. It's in here. Where your dinosaurs. The the thing that they're trying. The um the disaster they're trying to avoid is like. A, a pimple breakout on picture day or your voice dropping in the middle of a, like whatever, like that kind of thing. So you're, it's very, pl- very fun and playful um, uh, events that happen in the game. Uh, it's 30 to 60 minutes. It's pretty quick play. Typically in an evening you play like two, two rounds of it. Probably you play all the way through and say, okay, let's play again. And you just shuffle up and you deal the cards back out very quick to, to learn. Um, and like I said, it's very accessible. You can get this at target or at Walmart, um, at Myers, if you live up in the Northeast, that kind of thing. Um, you can find it on Amazon as well. So it's very accessible game, uh, low cost. I think it's like $25 for the base, for the base set, maybe 15 or 20 for the, um, for the expansions. Um, go pick up this game. That's, I think it's a winner. Cool. My turn. Yep. Uh, so Patrick said he wants some strategy. So I'm going to talk about a game that has none. Uh, <laughs> so when I when this question came up, I wanted to think about a game that I would not play all night, but start my game night with. Um, me and my friends have always liked to bring a lighter game to kind of get us all in the mindset of playing games as people are kind of shuffling their way in. Uh, in in the, the industry, you would call this a beer and pretzel game. It's a game you'd play with snacks and not much thought. But the game I'm talking about is Flux. This is a game that's been around since the late 90s. So we're, we're talking a couple decades at this point. Um, 
And the, the, the basic idea of the game is you start with one card on the table that says draw one, play one, and those are the only rules of the game. So you don't need to explain rules to start. Uh, that is the only rules. And as people are playing cards, the rules are changing and evolving, uh, which means that uh, you could be drawing a lot more cards or that a win strategy could end up on the table um, or the win strategy could change right as you're trying to build towards it. So I guess there, there can be a little bit of strategy, but really it's a lot of the randomness. But what I think is amazing about this is uh, your friends who are competitive and friends who have never played a game before will be at the same level. Uh, there's no rules to misunderstand because the rules all fit on a couple small cards. Um, and the game can be played between five minutes and 30 minutes. Uh, and, and at the end, when things are getting crazier and you're like, you know, past minute 15, like you're, you're taking your turns very fast. Like, there is no waiting. So even if you're playing with a larger group, like you're not waiting minutes for your turn. Everyone kind of knows what cards are going to play and things kind of start cooking really quick. And then all of a sudden it just finishes. Uh, and then you can start a new game or you could pack that up and move on to like the more serious game that you might have planned for the night. Uh, it comes in at like 1999, I believe, MSRP. And one thing that's really, I think, super interesting about this game uh, and Looney Labs, and I can't remember who makes Munchkin, they really live in this space, is you can buy the version that has a theme your group will like. Mm -hmm. So I had original Flux and then I had Space Flux because we're all space nerds, my friend group. But you can get... Uh, I think there's some Cartoon Network versions. There's like different themes like fantasy. So you can like really pick your theme uh, that makes you and your friends have the better time. If there's one that they, if there's a theme that they have for Munchkin, they yes. likely have it for Flux. Yes. Uh, and Munchkin loves their Cartoon Network spinoff yes, games. They do. Yes, they do. Uh, Andrew, how much is your game? My game, uh, all in to have a six player game, you're probably spending 50 bucks. Uh, and Will? 1999. And I just checked uh, the thing. If you get the, this is the limited edition. If you get the non-limited edition, you can find it for about fifty bucks. So uh, it, uh, unintentionally, we we've given you three games under fifty dollars. Uh, Will obviously with the least expensive, and we've given you three different play times. We've given you something that is as short as ten five or minutes. fifteen minutes. Um, well, five minutes. Uh, we've given you like a thirty-minute game, and then we've given you like an hour-long game. So. There's some brackets. Everything fits nicely. So again, next game night. These are these are our recommendations, and that's it from me. Some people would think we even talked about this before we jumped on air. <laughs> nope, this that just that this worked is, out great. <laughs> this was just all luck of the draw. You know, every once in a while, a blind squirrel finds a nut. But if you find a turtle on a fence post, you know it didn't get there on its own. We're going to go ahead and call this episode done. I'm just saying that this <laughs> game is an eighth of an iPad. <laughs> so stupid. I That's would, so stupid. <laughs> I think stupid. I would enjoy owning this more than an iPad. Oh, Which gosh. eighth? <laughs> an eighth. Can you, can you, uh, yeah, it's, use the, an eighth it's, of the, iPad. it's the charging port. <laughs> That's the part of the iPad that, yeah. That is um, valuable. I guess we should probably, probably, Probably roll some dice. Uh, will, will you roll dice for Lauren for sure. next week? I think that would be good. Let's let's get some dice in the in the hopper here. It's twenty and four, right? Yes, a twenty and a four. I got ten and four. Ten four, good buddy. <laughs> Five and three. Five and three, and then I got a four and three. Great. So four and three, Lauren will so have ten to five four. Because she's going to say, which one? 10-5-4. 10-5-4. 
Those are the main categories. Okay, that's going to be it for this episode. Thank you, Will, for stepping in for Lauren. Thanks for the invite. I know she appreciates it. Uh, It was so so good to see your face. We're glad that you you stepped in for that, and uh, we'd love love to see you more often. So... Um, Patrick, maybe next week you don't come and then Will can show up and then the following <laughs> week good, yeah, yeah. I'll leave and then Will will just stay on a rotation. Great. We can do be it the next only- year. Next year for the summer, we could do that where everyone gets a little summer break for a week. <laughs> yeah, and we just rotate Will through it. Oh. I love it. That's great. Um, we will call that the Truren style. Oh, and I'm bringing Truria. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, you can find everything that we talked about over at mof1.network. While you're there, you can also find um, just a ton of episodes from years gone by, from past, from days yesteryear, as what we call it. Um, hundreds of episodes with all sorts of stuff like board games and uh, video games and art. All the stuff we talked about in this episode, actually. So um, go check those out if you've not listened to them. Share them with friends if you have. And, uh, you know, sharing is caring. That's great. You can find us on twitch.tv where we are currently in September. Burr, burr, burr. I don't have an echo thing on here. I need to figure that out. I got to get an sure. echo on here. Uh, but uh, sub on, on sub, during septem- September, you get major discounts for doing it. And if you want to just use your free sub for Amazon Prime, that works well for us too. Um, but you can uh, check us out every week. We stream this show live. If you sub you will get notified. Join us while we're doing this live and you can be a part of the action. Um, and it's just way more fun. Trust me. Uh, we, everything that we do pretty much is visual and, uh, we interact with people. So join us in there. You can also find us anywhere where podcasts are downloaded. You can rate and review and subscribe on there as well. Uh, how we doing over in, uh, in Muskegee? Where is it? Moldova. We're down to 33. We're down to 33. It's not good. Moldova. You you put him under pressure. Like, oh. What did we do? Moldova. <laughs> He's talking it's about just, us hey, again. Moldova. It's just you and me right here. Maybe the guy yeah. that was traveling in Moldova went home. <laughs> yeah, the, the guy from the yeah, the guy from Utah is now back in Utah. Um, but uh yeah, so check us out. Uh rate and review the show. It helps us out. It doesn't have to cost you any money or really any time at all and it helps us out so so much. So please do that. I promise uh we appreciate it. Um, is there anything else? We're on social media. Uh, go to M of one dot. Nope. M of one podcast. That's what it is on, on Instagram. And, uh, that's where we, that's where we post things from time to time. And I think that's going to be it. Will, where can people find you? Where can people follow what you're doing? Yeah. At Will Turin on Instagram. T R U I I I N T R U R A N. There it is. Um, (laughs) But for now, we are going to get out of here. I'm Andrew. I'm Will. I'm Patrick. Hey, everybody. Peace out. Adios. Bye. Bye.